Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. In a way, I sing a lot just anyways. It's like how I pass the time in my own brain. So it's, I think uh, they noticed that I should, was... Should we ask you to sing a song right now? Or... <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, no. Good call. I, I walked right into that one, didn't I? Um, <laughs> Welcome back to the Dugout Dudes with Josh, Luke, and Brett Tomko. It's our honor today to have another uh, current player, uh, one of my personal favorites, being a Super Dodger fan, off to a great start this year. Welcome to the show, Ross Stripling. Thanks for joining us. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Ross, you're, you're killing the podcast game right now. you got your own podcast, the Big Swing Podcast. Um, how'd you get into that? Like, I know how we got into it. You know, I got a phone call, but how, as a player... You know, when you're in it and you have your focus on, on performing and what you're trying to do on the field, to, to go outside that realm and, and to really throw yourself into this whole world, you know, it was easy for me. I was doing nothing. I was at home, like, <laughs> retired, and, and someone approached me. Tell me how you got into it a little bit. I have a buddy back home who is married to my wife's best friend, if you can kind of follow that. And uh, he loved podcasts. And he always told me, like, dude, you got to listen to podcasts, listen to part of my take and The Ringer and and revisionist history like all these pods i was like no dude like it's just not for me i'm i'm not a millennial that's gonna get into podcasts <laughs> you know and um he just kept sending me episodes and i finally listened to a few part of my takes and i just loved it and kind of started looking for baseball ones and didn't really find you know barstool is starting nine other than that there's not a ton of baseball podcasts and i felt like i had a really good network around me my teammate is basically you know teammates are nothing but all-stars essentially right. so i knew i had a a cool network that um maybe I could get a little podcast going and, and Cooper is, is my buddy's name and co-host on the big swing. He does all the back end stuff. Like he knows how to edit. He knows how to produce. He knows how to put the sound stuff together. That's, I don't know. That's me. I'm the editor. Yeah. I, I knew nothing about it, but I, I learned very quick. Garage band became my best friend to like edit stuff. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Right. So I just have to show up and record and, and bring in a guest and uh, we've had a lot of fun, man. We're like a year and a half in maybe 80 something episodes in and, and uh, it seems like it gets more fun and we get better at it every time we do it. I think you're striking why the iron's hot. Like you talk about bringing in guests. I, I wish, I wish I would have thought about it. I wish podcasting was a thing. Cause I always kind of want to go to broadcasting after I was done, but being able to like handpick your guys, like, I mean, you, you have a Rolodex that's huge in terms of like your teammates, plus anybody, um, you know, when you go on the road where you can grab and say, Hey, can I get 30 minutes of your time? It's, it's genius to do that because you can get so many guys like for us, you know, we're reaching out to people to see, Hey, do you know so-and-so? So it's a little bit harder, harder for us, but I'd love to have your Rolodex and, and be able to pump them out like you're doing. Yeah. That's been the toughest part is, you know, it's easy to go up to a buddy in the locker room, just be like, Hey man, next road trip, you want to hop on. But you know, I, I'm probably doing what you're having to do a little bit, which is like, message guys on Instagram, especially if we're trying to cross sports into basketball or football or whatever, you know, I'll just try and pick any little thing that I can to maybe be able to reach out and be like, Hey, I know so-and-so you have any interest in coming yeah. on a podcast, you know, and then and you, just feel like like you feel like you're, you're like begging, creep. you're like begging for people. You're yeah, like, just please do my podcast. Yeah, exactly. So I but, try and avoid that as much as I can, but that's kind of part of it. I mean, man. Yeah. I think you have to. And I think that's kind of how we connected. It was a couple, Hey, all right. You know, you, you want to have Ross on. I was like, dude, I would love that. Cause it, it just, the podcasting world is kind of a small world and everyone's trying to help each other out and get their word out there and get their, you know, platform out there. So it's good to have other people, people on the show. You're also, I, I did a little fact checking, um, you know, multi-talented. I, I didn't know this. Um, you have a, uh, a financial background. So you, um, you're a finance, you, well, you're a certified financial advisor. 
Um, tell us a little about that. You don't see that a lot with, with athletes. You, you have athletes that are diverse, but you know, when you start talking about the finance world, a lot of athletes are spending the money and they're not saving it. So yeah, do you have any Tesla stock Ross? Because it's <laughs> That's what I'm going to ask you. Much. What's your, what's your pick to click on a stock right now too? <laughs> yeah, man. What's so funny is I, I, I do interviews like, you know, all the time and, and people ask me and I can't give individual names that I want to so bad. But what happens is if I tell you to go buy stock XYZ and it goes to <laughs> bankruptcy, you guys consume me because I am actually yeah. licensed in it yeah. and i've gotten in trouble before so i have so to, no uh, no pick to click Dang yeah it. no pick to click uh what i can say is i i sold tesla too early I yeah me too i sold yeah. it like 900 now i'm like uh, and i told my kid he goes dad should i buy it 900 i'm like you never buy when it's peaking son now like, i i think i have it i I bucks <laughs> when the whole like little little like dip happened a couple months ago and like we were everybody was down and i was I was looking at my statements going, oh my gosh, I lost like 10% and I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, oh, my, my, my financials guys like, just, just hang tight, hang tight. Yeah. Everything's going to be good. And we're not, we're not, we haven't lost because we haven't sold anything. So now we're all back and, and it's better. So, but yeah, tell us, tell us how you kind of got into that. Sure. So I had a Tommy John surgery in 2014. I studied finance in college, drafted in 2012, uh, go through my first full year of minor leagues, get invited to big league spring training in 2014. And my first outing, I am piggybacking Clayton Kershaw and I tear my UCL. Um, so, you know, staring at a lost 2014 and half a 2015 season, you know, basically you're going to go down the drain rehabbing a, a UCL Tommy John surgery. So I kind of start thinking, like, I have my college degree, like, what can I do? And um, get in with a company then called Wonderlick. They're now called B. Riley Wealth Management, who I work for now. Uh, they have some connections with my grandfather, invested with them for about 40 years. And I uh, just went in, had a meeting with them, expecting nothing, just maybe to pass some time shadowing a guy just to learn the business a little bit or whatever. And they said, no, let's get you licensed. So I spend the next two off seasons, and while I'm getting – Sur sorry, while I'm rehabbing my surgery, studying for these two giant tests, man, called the Series 7 and the Series 66. They're both like five-hour tests, giant multiple-choice questions, and um, end up passing both, and that makes me a licensed um, money manager, licensed stockbroker, whatever you want to call it, and now I can actually like get clients, solicit advice, manage their money, and all that stuff. So are you actually doing that simultaneously right now with playing? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, very active with my own money for sure, and most of my family's money. Um, I don't want to say very active with my family's money, but you know, definitely overseeing my family's money. And then a couple clients, uh, in the, in the season, I definitely, um, delegate a lot of the work to my boss. His name's Matthew Houston. He did, you know, he oversees everything. Doesn't just like, let me go wild west on everything. So, uh, but it's, it, it's fun, man. I love it. It's, it's definitely the like first and last thing I do every day. I enjoy it. And, uh, it seems like it's different every day, especially right now talking coronavirus, how we, you know, lost 30 something percent in March. And now we're kind of some, some back indexes up. are already, yeah, some indexes are already back up to all time highs. I mean, it's been wild. So Ross, any, any cryptocurrency? Cause that peaked uh, yesterday. It's up over 11,000 for the first time in a long time. Did it? No, you know what? I've never messed with cryptos. I yeah. haven't messed with the marijuana stocks. I'm, uh, I'm definitely, I'm more of an investor than a trader. You know, which means yeah. I'm long term minded. How you kind of touched touched on that, Brett? Like, I, 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 if I buy something, I believe it for the long term, ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, I was, I was like, full, we had all these projects lined up, and then Corona hit, and it, everything plummeted. And I'm like, put the brakes on everything. We had a, like a bathroom remodel, like walls being built, like like four projects. And then my financial guys like, just hang tight. It's gonna be back. And now that everything's up, it's just like 
I'm like money going out the, out the window. <laughs> and it's like a little scary when you're not like bringing in paychecks and you're just relying on all your dividends and, and the money coming in from your investments. But my, my financial guys always like, it's good right now. If you want to spend money on your house, it's a good time to do it because everything's up. So volatility. Yeah. Well, let's talk some baseball, Ross. Yeah, so, let's talk hey, baseball. Game two start. Uh, you looked great. Um, hey, like, uh, I believe it or not, this is selfish, but I sit on the couch every night in the summer and watch <laughs> the Dodgers. No so joke, my no summer's joke. been rocked too, because I'm like, I don't know what to do at nighttime now, but it's so great to see you guys back out there. Tell us what it was like, um, Dustin May. Uh, I want to circle back to Dustin May, and I was mentioning to Brett that, you know, May's kind of assuming that role that Ross had the last, you know, his first three years where you're going to be in the bullpen until we tell you you're starting in an hour or the next day, right? And so, so there's probably some mentorship going on there. But let's start with, so what was it like, man? The empty stadium, um, you know, everybody's kind of nervous about this pandemic, and there you are pitching a great game, getting a W. So tell us about it. Yeah, man, I tell you what, it is unique and weird and fun all at the same time. You know, the games where I don't pitch, I have no idea where to go because I'm not allowed in the dugout, uh, you know, so we're like roaming around in left field. We're sitting in the training room, the locker room, like just kind of going wherever we can. And I think you could kind of tell from the way we played, like those first two games were exciting. We were, you know, pumped to be playing baseball, seeing different jersey in the other dugout, like all that. And then those next two games, you know, that energy, that excitement was kind of gone. So it's like, all right, how do we create it? And you could see that we kind of struggled to have the same intensity in those two games. So it's just, um, it's just different, man. We're pumping white noise into the stadium. It helps a little bit. That's better than silence. I promise you that. But I tell you what, you know, we expect to go win 50 out of 60 games and compete for a World Series. So it's easy to get some energy going because we want to win and expect to win. If I was in, you know, Detroit or Miami or Baltimore, like it'd be, it'd be tough. tough right? yeah. It'd be tough to generate some energy, man. It's going to be a strange year. Yeah, we were yeah, finding that out. Tell us about that one comment you made about you can't go in the locker room. Tell us more specifically about what the pitchers kind yeah. of rules and guidelines are. So, so listen, my question is, is like in a normal day. So a normal day for the people that don't know, you come to the clubhouse and it's, it's very intimate. Dodger, the Dodger clubhouse, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not a massive clubhouse. They, re, they remodeled it, but it's still intimate. You're with your teammates. You're close to your teammates. You're having conversations with your locker mates. That was some of my favorite time. Was, was the time, and I think most professional athletes are like that. The, the, the field, the games are great, but the times you spend with your teammates in, in, in the intimate moments talking, those are the special times. Is, how has that dynamic changed when you go to the clubhouse, when you're pregame, when you're you know, during the game? You, are you guys a little bit around each other? or t Explain how that is all working. Sure. So... <clears throat> So we're, we're mostly around each other, actually, believe it or not. We're just spaced one locker apart. And like you said, the locker room's not that big. So we're still pretty close to each other, and everyone's in that room. When we were doing this, the summer camp, we were spread across all three locker rooms that are in Dodger Stadium. So we didn't see each other at all. Like the, the 30 guys that weren't in my locker room, I hardly ever saw them. <laughs> but now that the season's going, we're in the locker room together. So that, that part's still normal. We're just wearing masks, and we're a little bit more spread out. So if I want to talk to JT, I just got to yell a little bit louder. He's a little bit farther away. Um, the biggest difference, and you touched on the locker room being a favorite part, it is awesome. That's, you know, I feel for the young guys that don't have the same locker room experience this year, but really feel for them for not having the same road trip experience, which I'm on my first road trip right now, and dugout experience. You yeah. know, like when uh, Muncie hit those two homers in game two, you know, no one can go in there and really like celebrate with them. It's just, yeah. it's, it, you know, it's just kind of a weird vibe. So, um, 
we get there, there's food pre-made for us. We have to eat it outside and left field, like above the dugout, Brett. I mean, sorry, above the bullpen. And typically it's like a buffet style. Like you go into the food room and it's all laid out and you're serving yourself. So it's a whole different dynamic for you guys. Right, exactly. So we're eating outside and then you were getting tested every other day and then you go in and it's kind of life as normal. It's just wearing masks. It, you know, you can go in the training room you can go in the weight room you can chill in the locker room um no video is kind of a weird thing all the videos having to be put on to our either ipads or laptops so you know that's kind of a different vibe you can't go watch video in the middle of a game you know like i get, went and gave up a homer the other day a lot of times i'd go in and watch to see where that pitch was right it's just kind of the competitor in you right i can't do that anymore so there's some minute changes in there obviously but the biggest difference is just we're wearing a mask and we can't be in the dugout as yeah. pitchers it's funny to see i was watching the padre game um and somebody hit a home run out to left field and you just in your mind you've watched so many games you've seen on tv you expect you know you have a like an idea what's supposed to happen and the ball's going out to left field and there's like a few people in the bullpen and then there's like eight players sitting in the stands like normal fans and it's just it's bizarre to see for me to see all just it, it's just it looks like a summer league game it really does and that's you say about the the crowd noise and the ambient noise it's i i I can't wrap my brain around it because I'm not there. So it's, I, I think it's, it's strange. Yep. Strange is the right way to say it. I like so, bizarre too. Bizarre is a good word. So the ambient noise. So like when you're pitching and this is the big thing, I, I think players, I don't want to say we get addicted to the instant feedback, but you have that feedback of you're doing great or you're doing bad with the booze. How different was that being in a game where you're in a crucial pitch, especially at Dodger stadium, the crowd's going crazy because this is a big moment. Um, and it's not there. How does that affect your adrenaline? How does that affect like that extra oomph on a pitch? Or you just, you're, you're basically have to self-manifest it. Yeah, you got to self-manifest it. And, and um, you know, we're so lucky to be in Dodger Stadium when normally we got 45,000 people every night screaming at you, right? It's, it's, it's doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday game against the Marlins or a Friday night game against the Giants, like the, the Dodger fans pack the house. So you're not used to having to self-create. Well, at about, at about the third inning. Yeah. Yeah. It, it takes a while <laughs> to filter in, but they get there. And, um, you know, so you're not used to having to create that energy. What's, what's nice for me. And I think Josh kind of touched on it earlier, talking about Dustin May, like my job is never, uh, set in stone by any means. Like if I'm getting a start, I'm fighting for my life to try and to try and keep that job. So that is enough for me to create some energy and get some intensity going right because I feel like every inning I'm I'm fighting to keep that starting rotation spot. Um, but I remember talking to Bellinger. So after game four, after game three, we had a chance to win. We didn't end up pulling it off. Game four, kind of similar. I think we had bases loaded in the eighth inning. Kike up, he ends up grounding out end up losing that game and I just remember asking Bellinger at the end of it just being like dude like what's it like and he's like it's just it's so hard like I'm used yeah. to I'm used to being able to turn around look in the stand see some fans like give them a fist pump like all these little things that you don't realize how much energy and adrenaline it actually creates just to build off of them and I'm like yeah man that just that so sounds has anyone frustrating. punched a cardboard cutout out of frustration? Yeah. <laughs> and if so, who was it? <laughs> not that, that I've funny. seen yet. We're we're four games in, and they're not easy, easily accessible. So if there was one, maybe like right by the dugout, I could see it taking a, a bat barrel every now and then. You hit on one. <laughs> you hit on one thing that I want to touch on because I think I think the role that you've been in is one of the hardest roles on a pitching staff. I had to do it in Seattle a little bit. Um, it's that swing guy where you know, you're, you're a long guy, you're a spot starter, you know, you may have to, you know, mop up a game, you may have to come in an extra inning game if you're not starting. And it's, it's a hard role mentally to really sit there and prepare for and, and 
it was hard for me in Seattle because like you, I'm sure you think, Hey, I'm good enough to start in this league. You put me on a different team. You, you put me in a different situation. I'm a everyday starter. You know, the fact that you're with an organization that's heavy in pitching and a lot of good young arms, how are you, how are you handling that? Because I know I walked a fine line where I crossed it at one point and, and I can tell you that story after you, you elaborate. Um, how do you how do you walk that fine line between being confident and not saying too much and being disgruntled? Um, is there conversations between you and Dave and, and the front office on on your role? Tell us how hard this role really is to stay really mentally prepared and focused. Yeah, it's tough, man. It, it's you know you touched on it. it. It wore me down when I was young. There's no doubt. You know when I came up and I started in the big leagues as a starter. And kind of lost my job. I didn't necessarily pitch that well. Went to the bullpen. Spent all of 2017 in the bullpen, I think, besides two little spot starts. And then 2018, start in the bullpen and get thrusted back in the rotation due to injuries and pitch well and actually make an all-star game yeah, in 2018, believe it or not. Yeah, So, And then what is the frustrating part for me is I get put back in the bullpen and I feel like I didn't lose my job because of performance. I lost my job because we had guys that just sure. made more money than me or right. whatever the thing was. You know, So that's – that was kind of when it started getting a little frustrating for me. And, um, and also that was my third year, then bleeding into my fourth year in 2019, last season, where I start to feel like, you know, I'm not a veteran. It's my fourth year, but I've been around and we've had But the you've same. been around and you, and, yeah. and you know how it works and you're confident in yourself. Yeah. And, and I am, you know, I guess confident to be more outspoken of saying like, look, I know my arsenal fits better as a starter. I understand the depth that we have. I just want my name to be in the mix as much as anyone when a, when a starting spot gets open. And I feel like that the communication has been there and I've getting those opportunities, but you know, I showed up this spring, man, this is going to be a long winded story and I apologize, but I got traded. No, in no. I like to, right? I like oh, to hear this. Yeah, I like to, I like that, to hear man. this because I didn't get traded, but I'm in, I was in the exact same situation at the same point in my career that you're at right now when I got traded in the Griffey trade to Seattle, where I was kind of that swing guy in between. So I love to hear this from another perspective because I know what went through my mind that entire time. And like I said, I didn't handle it nearly as well as you are. So let's talk a little bit about the angel thing. And then I'll tell you my, I'll give you some, uh, I'll give you some words of wisdom from an old man, what not to do at one point, but yeah, you were, you go ahead, Josh. I was just say Brett and I grew up 10 minutes from Anaheim. And even though I'm, I'm a super Dodger fan, I spent a lot of time in Anaheim with friends and, and uh, Brett lives down San Diego and leans more Padre way now. But, but so we're, we're, we're both kind of like, well, the angels are my third favorite team. You know what I mean? So (laughs) people are like, Oh, Josh, you must be crushed. Peterson and Stripling. I'm like, Hey, Stripling's their number one pitcher. And people are like, (laughs) all my angel fans are such homers and don't see things through reality are like oh no Haney's grandma trust me there's not a guy in Anaheim that could pitch for the Dodgers I say that all the time so <laughs> that's it, gotta be I, that's gotta be hard yeah. for you, you you're, yeah, you're you're an eight you're basically one or two you're basically an angel and you're a, you're a for sure starter and then it doesn't work out and it you go back how do you feel about that so it was five days of limbo right where the the trade was done and then all of a sudden the medicals were getting held up and it was five days of like silence of not knowing what was going on and I was in silence at Jock's house, I bet, because we learned the other day in game one that Jock uh, isn't afraid to express himself when it's quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, you know, I was on the on the phone with our president, GM, Andrew Friedman, who would say like, hey, I just don't have a lot of information. But if you're, you know, if you're in a tough spot, don't be scared to text me, call me or whatever over those five days. I think I texted him twice. Apparently, Jock <laughs> called him like nine times a day. So, <laughs> so a little different there. And um, all right, so I'm boarding the plane to spring training and I don't know where I'm going. I don't know if I'm an angel or a Dodger, but it's time to go to spring training. And as I'm boarding, I get a call from Andrew Friedman who basically says like, Hey man, 
we're going to be able to do this without the angel piece. You're still a Dodger. You know, how do you feel about that? And I'm like, yeah, I love it. I want to be a Dodger. No doubt about it. And he's like, great. You but know, I want to start. <laughs> yeah, but I want to start. And, and he said, yeah, you're going to get a chance to start. We see you as a starter. I was like, great. That's perfect. That's exactly what I want to hear. Well, I show up to spring training a week into spring training. We announced the starting five and I'm not in it. And I just kind of go up to him like, man, you know, I thought I was going to get more of an opportunity. And I probably, if pe people that have heard me tell this story now 10 times are probably tired of me hearing it. So I'll, I'll keep it short, but, you know, basically thought I was going to get a chance to get, be a starter. Didn't get that chance. And, and, you know, was, was, uh, for lack of a better term, a little butthurt, <laughs> a little butthurt about it. It just, it kind of hurt my feelings. Yeah. I thought that, uh, thought that I was going to get more of a chance. And anyways, I worked my tail off during quarantine, show up, built up, ready to go. And here I am in the rotation. So it's kind of one of those things, man, keep your mouth shut, work hard and opportunities keep coming up and, and, and take advantage of it. <laughs> hey, that, that was a good, that's a, wait, listen, Hey, that's a good segue. Keep your mouth shut. Now let me explain. Yeah. Tell the story, Brad. Let me, tell let, me story. let me explain how I handled this situation. <laughs> Same thing. I show up to spring training with Seattle. I didn't get traded, but here I am. I say, I want to shot at the, I want to shot at the rotation. And so, oh, now this is my second year I show up. And this is the year that, that the Mariners won 116 games. So we're stacked. So I get to spring training, work my butt off. Um, I get to three innings and I stop. I don't progress anymore. So I, I see the writing on the wall. I had never had a shot and I pitched good. I hadn't given up a run. So I'm a bullpen guy. So now the media is just kind of, you know, just prod me a little bit. Like, how do you feel? You wanted to start. And I said, yeah, well, I mean, of course, I, I feel like I got, like you said, I got the, I got the repertoire to start, repertoire, repertoire. Yeah, the repertoire <laughs> to start. And I feel like my stuff plays. So, you know, and they're always coming to me and we're starting to win. We're winning a bunch. I'm the long guy. Uh, I'm the spot starter. Um, and they're just keep, they just keep all every once in a while, like, Hey, would you love to be in the rotation? I said, of course I would, I would love it. And I, I didn't see it in my mind cause I was young, but they're, they're stirring up the pot a little bit. So of course, at one point I get frustrated and said, yeah, I, I want to start like my stuff's good. I'm pitching well. I want to start. So it was a couple weeks of this and I get called in the office. It's Lou Pinella and Pat Gillick, who's a hall of famer GM. And they sit me down and they go, Lou goes, Hey son. Uh, so we're going to have you start. And I said, oh, I mean, okay, that's great. I said, but I, I don't understand. You got Jamie Moyer, Sealy. You got all these guys that are dealing. And, like, we haven't lost, like, we're, we have, like, 10 losses on the whole season. We're two months into the season. And he goes, we're going to send you down to Tacoma, AAA. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? And I was getting paid, you know, back then, a million bucks is my first, like, time I'm making money. And I look at Pat Gillick. This is where it all kind of went downhill. And I said, you must be an effing idiot. And I said that to our GM. And as I'm saying that, like I'm trying to grab the words and put them back in my mouth. Because <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe I just said that to the GM. And then it just spiraled out of control. I'm like, if you don't want me here, just trade me. If you don't, if you don't want me, I don't want to be here. And I just go off. And Lou loved me from that point on because I kind of like stood up and challenged them. But they sent me down to Tacoma I went to the club. This was when I was young and dumb and, you know, a little bit more full of myself. Like I, you know, than I should have been. Um, I pack all my stuff in a black trash bag and put it in front of my locker. And of course, every reporter sees that and feeds on that. They're like, what's going on? I'm like, I got sent to Tacoma and go to AAA. <laughs> they let me stay down there for four months. Oh my gosh. I stayed down. They said they would trade me at the all-star break. They didn't trade me. They let me sit down there and I pitched great down there. We had a great team and we ended up winning the world series. 
But I was so minor leaguer that year. Oh, for sure. And, (laughs) and so, and we were just as good as the big league team at like same win total, but it was one of those things where you said, shut up, do your work, you know, let your, let your, your body of, of work speak for itself and, and be a good, I don't want to say team player, but you know, it'll all come back. You'll, you'll finally get your chance like you are now and to prove stuff and you're doing it the right way. I unfortunately did it the wrong way. So I ended up getting traded after the season to uh, San Diego, which worked out great. And let's parlay that Ross into, since we're on the emotional player topic, this is how I wanted to kind of have some fun with. This is a day today that we're taping this, the Dodgers at Houston that a lot of fans like me have been waiting for for months. A lot. (laughs) And let's preface this by Josh. (laughs) hates the Astros more than anyone Anything on in the this world. That's the first one to have the cheater shirt. But I want to have a fun. Don't answer this out loud because I want to let Brett and I guess. Because we know that we, you're not going to say, you know, we're going to hit people. We're going to bean people. There's an order. So here, here's what I want to say. If there was one guy on the Dodgers team who would just walk into the locker room today, player or coach, <laughs> or in the dugout, and just lose it for 10 seconds and go, if the next guy up the bat doesn't wear one, you know, you're going to have to answer to the rest of it. Who's that emotional guy that would oh, come wow. into the – don't answer it yet because I have a guess. Uh, I actually have a couple guesses, and I, I think um, Jock just made that list, uh, his two uh, you know, words that he dropped on national TV the other day. But <laughs> if there's one or two guys, Brett, who would you think of all the Dodgers is the one guy that's going to say, I hate these guys, third inning, walks in the dugout tonight and goes, somebody's got to wear one. When's this going to happen? What do you think? I, that's a great question. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know the guys personally like Ross knows, but, I mean, I've seen Kershaw get fired up. Um, I think it'd have to be the right situation. And he's a veteran guy, so he kind of knows – he kind of knows the game. I, I don't know the young guys like Ross does. It might be Ross for all we know. <laughs> I don't think it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see. So let me, let me tell you the three guys I came up with. I came up with JT definitely an emotional leader. With JT, oh, I'm talking pictures. He's also positive. Yeah. He's also so positive. Is, is JT an emotional guy like that where he would, he would have that outburst? JT's pretty even keeled, man. It would, take, uh, it would take something pretty significant to get JT that fired up. Okay, so my next guest, and he propelled himself onto the list uh, the other day, is uh, Jock Peterson. Now, now I've seen a side of him where, where he's not afraid to say anything. What do you think about Jock? Is that Jock's, Jock's a good candidate for sure. <laughs> he's not the first one that came to mind, but he's a good candidate because he can, he, like, like you said and like you saw, he can get fired up quickly. You know, yeah. it can happen in a hurry. If he goes like punch out, maybe pops out to the catcher or something like where he's just not having a good day, there could be some emotion come out. So who did pop hey. into your mind first when I said that? Oh, the answer is Joe Kelly. In his oh, no. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can totally yeah. see that. Mild-mannered Joe Kelly, huh? Hey, don't sleep on Doc. <laughs> don't sleep on Doc one bit. There's, there's, a, there's a fuse in, in Dave. He may be the nicest person in the world off the field and talking to you, but there's a fuse in there when he's going to snap that he's going to go crazy. Man, yeah. I've, I've been here five years. I'm waiting for that one. Brett. <laughs> yeah. that well, one? what about, what about uh, Green down in San Diego? When they got into that. Oh, yeah, uh, they did get into it. You're right. He lost it. I yeah. called him the next day. I was like, dude, are you okay? Like, <laughs> but he just, I mean, he lost it. He, well, what happened was, is Green started like, I think the story I Sean got. Green? So, who's Green? No, the Green, the, the manager. He's the manager for, for okay. the Padres the last okay. couple of um, years, yeah. He started like going after and like criticizing one of the players. It was about, it was about a player and he started going in on the player and Dave just lost. He was defending his team, which he was, but Dave's got a fuse in there that can go ape shit in a, in a heartbeat. So I got one more and it just randomly asked, what about Kike? He seems so mild, man. No, he's going yeah, to like, da- he's going to dance over to somebody and <laughs> just do something. Yeah. Kike will like, uh, 
Oh man, what would Kike do? He'd like, he, he would do it on social media, you know, he's, he's really witty <laughs> on like social media. And then he would like, yeah, like you said, he'd like dance on or something. Fun. It'd be more on the comical side, but then get still like get a t-shirt made, t-shirt made yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So the last I guy that came to my mind wasn't even, I don't think with you guys. And that's Mark Pryor, but I always kind of found him as an old school guy. Is he a guy that might get fired oh, up listen. involved in that? <laughs> yeah, I'll vouch for that. So, um, so wait, Pryor was in, was in Chicago. I was in St. Louis and I didn't know Mark at all. It was Kerry Wood, Pryor. And then um, I forgot who the other starter they had was Matt Clement. And it was me, Woody Williams, Matt Morris. We were like the three, three starters. And we had, we had like a beanball war in Chicago and you've never seen six guys who probably don't talk, want to kill each other more. I mean, <laughs> screaming from across. I don't know. Ask Pryor if he remembers that. But, like, I mean, it got – I think Pryor – Clement got hit or something. And I mean, we were screaming. I didn't even know then. And I'm yelling at him like I want to kill him. Really? <laughs> I'll ask yeah. him for sure. I'll ask yeah. him. Mark is a good balance with, like, the new school analytics that we pump in through the Dodgers with the old school field that he learned, you know, when he played and from our old pitching coach, Rick yeah. Honeycutt. He's so, very, uh, he's very even. Oh man. Too. He's a Southern California boy to the max. He's, we, he's uh, great. We rehabbed at the same place one summer. Uh, so Mark and I spent a lot of time rehabbing together. Strong calves, so, Brett. Really strong yeah. calves. Massive so let's talk calves. about that. Wait, when quick. he goes, when he goes pants down, it's shocking. Yeah. Like, cause I'm, I'm not used to seeing it. Cause when he played, it was always like, you, that's the first thing yeah. you see coming, even from the front or the size yeah, of the calves. Something they're, else. They're bigger than my quads. So let's just talk really quickly, get this out of the way. Um, what's the tone on the whole Dodger Astro cheating thing in the locker room? Are you guys just happy to get tonight over with and move on? So, I mean, it, it, I'm guessing you guys have moved on from it internally, but nobody else has outside. So tell us about that. Are you guys looking forward to that or? I tell you what, man, you can even go back to spring training. We were, I don't want to say over it. That's not the right word, but we were ready to move on, get it done on the field. And then when like Bregman and Altuve and their owner kind of opened their mouths and the apologies that they made. <laughs> and then Correa. That, well, that wasn't even an apology. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then Correa tells Bellinger to shut the F yeah. up on like MLB network or whatever, you know, and we were kind of like, all right, like here yeah. we go. So that, you know, there's a little bit back and forth in spring training, but then you can YouTube it. If you want, Justin Turner gave just the best interview yeah. and that kind of like solidified it. And from then on, we could say like, that's how we feel. Like, look at that interview. That's where we're at. And then quarantine happens, dude. We don't even talk about it for three months, four months. Doesn't come up on the group chat. Nothing. And well, even the Astros over... sent a group thank you card to uh, Wuhan, China, saying thank you for taking <laughs> yeah. right. oh, off the man. headlines. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No one happier than them. And um, and then really into summer training, it was all about just getting ready, all that. And then you see the schedule come out, and there's two games against Houston in that first week and some rumblings. And, and really, man, all we've said is we want to take care of it on the field. And um, obviously, we know they're a good team. We're going to throw two really good arms at them between Bueller and Dustin May. Our lineup's great. Their lineup's great. It's going to be a battle. It'll be a lot of fun. But, um, you know, there hadn't been really any, like, harsh words or anything like that in our locker room of saying, like, you know, circling it on a calendar yeah. saying like, this is coming out. Like, it's just been like business as usual. We're going to go in there and handle it on the field. Well, I think with the pandemic, there's so much going on in the world that when it really, when you really look at it, it, it it's, it's, you know, it's a trivial thing now, you know, granted it, it's personal for some guys, but there's so much going on right now. It's like, yeah, let's let the feud, the feud it's, it's kind of for me, like over with, let's get on to playing baseball because there's much bigger things to worry about than, than a, 
you know, cheating scandal is a big thing, but still it's one of those things. It's like, all right, enough's enough. And Ross, you got 17 guys in the Marlins, um, 30 man plus coaching staff uh, testing positive as of about an hour ago. Uh, you know, the MLB had to think about this and, and, and plan for this. They have the 30 man camp, you know, for you guys, it's at USC, but, but so, the question I want to ask is nobody can control what happens, but are you concerned about the competitive imbalance? I mean, somebody said to me earlier today, if this were the Yankees or Dodgers, people would be saying call out the season, but it's the Marlins, not, not much expectation. What are your thoughts on finishing this season? You guys have always said, Hey, we're going to approach this like any other season. Our goal is to win the world series. So uh, what's your feeling on the competitive imbalance of a situation like what's going on in Florida? Cause it's likely to happen elsewhere. Yeah, it's extremely fluid, right? I mean, it's, uh, I had Buster Olney on our podcast and asked him, like, if one team gets incapacitated, like, is that going to shut this whole thing down? He's like, no, MLB will plow through. They'll get guys off of indie ball and throw them out there if they have to. You know, there'll sign be some me, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, get Brett back out there. Yeah. You know, there'll be there'll be teams that might play fifty-five games instead of sixty, and then it comes down to win percentage, not actual record. Oh, like, really? That okay. that MLB will just plow through unless, you know, unless there's like a player fighting for his life with coronavirus. That that will be what shuts it down. So as far as the competitive imbalance, uh honestly hadn't even thought about it until right now. Obviously it would stink. You know, let's say the NL East has two teams that bring in guys from Indie Ball and now the you know, the Braves are going to win 10 extra games because they're playing indie ball guys. Hey, we got Mark no. Trumbo sitting down here in Villa Park, California, if you guys need another hitter, right? So, yeah, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> right. I'm not, that's a no shade being thrown to indie ball guys. Trust me. Hey, I, I, I played, I played indie ball for a year. It was, yeah. it was, I tell you what, it was a, we, I had a blast. We had like 14 former major leaguers. I mean, we were paying to be there to play that. Like I had broke my shoulder and I was coming back from it and it was, it was great. And there was, ton of talent i saw yeah. guys i'm like dude this guy could play in the big leagues right now yep yeah no can i, t- I totally agree. can you clarify something we had a question we had the other day we're pretty sure that uh, david price and other guys cannot come back they're either all in or they're all out right is could david price say never mind him i mean he's not going to based on his comments but could he come back or is he done for the whole uh this season uh, from what I understand, he can come back by a certain oh, date. Really? It's like maybe September 10th or something like that. Yeah, I'm not now. I'm not positive about that. We had so many things get proposed back and forth when we were <laughs> negotiating with the owners. I know that was in there. I'm not sure that it stuck, but I'm I'm fairly uh, fairly sure that it did. So Price just came out today. I'll read yeah. you the quote because uh, he opted out. It says now we really get to see if MLB is going to put the players' health first. Remember when Manfred said players' health was paramount. Part of the reason I'm at home right now because players' health wasn't being put first. I can see that hasn't changed. Do you, you know, you talked about a little bit of the testing. Um, I talked to some of the players I know with Pittsburgh and a couple other teams, and the testing wasn't as, um, it wasn't there as much as they wanted it to be. They were told their results would be quicker and they weren't getting them enough where they had to hold t- in the summer camp. They team said, we're not, we're not practicing until we get the test results. Do you think there's enough in place when you guys get to the stadium in terms of sanitizer, distance, social distancing, that, that, you know, that a, a, a wave isn't going to run through a clubhouse or more clubhouses. Um, I guess long story short would be no. If, if a wave happens in the clubhouse, it's going to go through the clubhouse. That's sure. almost a fact. We're just still too close to each other. And, sure. and, and too often, you know, we, we still like we're separated. That's most of the time we're six feet, but 
man, this is a contagious virus. Like it's, that's not enough. We're wearing masks. It's probably still not enough. We're in a locker room. Like, and it's, it's, it's a, it and, and, and your team and your friends and your family. And it's hard not to, I think that like, we're close. Like my family's close. We're like, and that's baseball's your family. That's the Dodgers are your family. So it's hard to be separated like that. Well, the airplane's probably a worse situation well, even than the clubhouse. I wear my sunglasses on the one or two times I've flown in the last few months. Let me ask you two questions. So on the travel, I'm interested with the travel. How different has that been? We kind of just side skirted a little bit um, on, on the situation, but how was travel since you made your first road trip, the plane trip, um, the bus rides at the hotel, how is that all set up? Cause one of my favorite things was getting into a, a city and going to dinner, but like, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. I touched on that earlier, man. I hate that for the young guys, you know, some of our yeah. younger players that are, you know, in the big leagues a little bit last year, maybe getting their first taste this year and we can't, you know, take them to dinner in these new cities and show them around and, and all that stuff. I, you know, that stinks. That's some of the most fun things I remember from my first few years in the big leagues. Uh, but to get back to your question, um, you know, so we're, we now have like twice as many buses as normal because we're spread out. So we're like every other seat and we're spread out diagonally across those seats. And that's just to get us to the airport. Then once you get to the airport, uh, we get screened and then we get on the plane. Everyone's in a mask. You get handed like stuff to wipe your seat down, hand sanitizer, oh, mask, gloves, and uh, there's no food. You know, normally you get food and drinks on the plane. We get no, no warm won't, food. Nobody will get that freshman 15. Those rooms right. won't give me gaining that weight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so, um, so it's, it, once you get on the plane, it's normal in that you, we're not spread out more. We're each individual row is our row. And then you just go about yeah. your business and you kind of most way less moving around. Right. And we have way less flight attendants. I think we only had three on the whole plane because they're not serving food or drinks or really much of anything. So uh, most guys just, you know, bring out their iPads or plug into the TV in front of them and just try and pass right. the time as best you can. Right. Hey so, folks, our guest is Dodgers all-star pitcher, Ross Stripling. You can find him on Instagram at, at Big Swing Podcast, on Twitter at Ross Stripling, on Instagram also at, at Ross underscore Stripling. Uh, spending a few minutes with us talking Dodger baseball, talking pandemic. Ross, tell me, um, my brother was a rookie with the Dodgers in 90, 90, 1998, left-handed power hitter, first base outfielder. And uh, one of the fun stories he shared is uh, on his first road trip to Chicago, couple of the veterans who will remain nameless took him out to a statue with uh, some blue paint. <laughs> yeah. um, did you have any, did you experience anything like that uh, on, in Chicago or any other kind of rookie initiations when you were Dodger rookie? Well, I mean, you got to sing, right, yeah, Brett? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just part of it. You got to sing. They'll bring you in, in multiple times, especially me. I was, I, I, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it in a way. I, I sing a lot just anyways. It's like how I pass the time in my own brain. So it's, I think, uh, they noticed that I should, was, should we ask you to sing a song right now or, or no, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, no good call I've, I've walked right into that one didn't I um, <laughs> you know so every time you land somewhere usually the front of the bus they'll make you sing um there's a brand called Mizzen and Maine which make like button-down shirts that are kind of dry fit that our whole team just bought a bunch of them in like 2016 and me and Chris Taylor were rookies in 2016 and we wore the same shirt on the plane ride so for like 30 minutes they made they put on music through the pa system on the plane we had to model it like a catwalk you know like who, who wore it better so like sometimes you know they just come up with them on the fly as far as like a true hazing thing man we 
in my time here, we do very little of that. And I think it's because we expect so much from our young guys. Like we want to win right off the bat. Like you can't really haze like a Verdugo or a Seager or a Bellinger. Like when those guys are going to come up and hit 300. Of course you can. Of course you can, Ross. You can can a little bit. but Show that veteran presence and and take it to them. Dougie Dougie probably loved it. He loved being the center of attention probably, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. (laughs) Oh, the hazing. When I came up, the hazing was horrible. I mean – it, some of it was horrible. Some of it was good fun. Uh, Reggie Sanders, I, I knew him before I got to the big leagues. And when I came up, he he was relentless on me. Like, he would, we'd get into San Francisco. Like, you talk, the young guys don't get this experience. We got into San Francisco at, like, 3 in the morning. And I get a phone call. And I got my suit. My baggage is not up there. It's not going to get up there until the morning or, like, an hour later. And I crawl in bed. I take my suit off. I crawl in bed. Phone rings. And he goes, hey, Wendy, his wife. And Winnie and I won uh, some cheeseburgers and some fries. I'm in room 11, whatever, and hung up the phone. So I'm in that mental dilemma like, all right, here's the guy that I, I'm living at his house. Um, he pays for every meal on the road, and he wants something at 3 o'clock in the morning in downtown San Francisco. So I put my suit back on, and I trek out to Carl's Jr. at 3.30 in the morning to get him a Western bacon cheeseburger and fries yeah. and deliver it to his room. And I, he opens the door. I give it to him, gives me 100 bucks, and slams the door in my face. Like those experience, I will never forget those experiences. But those young guys don't get that anymore. Yeah, you hear about stuff like that all the time, man. To my knowledge, it just doesn't really exist across baseball anymore like that i think it that the dress uh, that up kind of, the, the rookie dress oh up, yeah for that's sure. still there that's, but even that's, that has like we can't dress them up as women anymore you know which is sometimes half the fun so i had to dress as a woman uh going to montreal and had to go through customs yeah so our plan was to stay it was me aaron boone um trying to think of anybody that guy named pat Watkins who had a little big big league time but there were six of us and we had said let's all stick together it was safety in numbers. Yeah. So we get, we get into Montreal and we're getting the bags and I look around and I'm by myself and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh. So I walk through the I walk up to the customs agent, you know, my big sun hat, my purple skirt, and I give him my passport and he, he opens it up and he looks at me and he goes, you look lovely tonight. <laughs> he shuts in. He's like, have a good day and pushed me through. And it's just like, those are fun things that I think now it's like, everyone's like a superhero. It's yeah. usually Halloween costumes, but that, that's great fun. So let's, let's roll into players weekend. And uh, I'm going to start with the nickname and then Brett's going to do kind of a, a rapid fire game with yeah. you. But, but who picked your, uh, look, my brother playing college ball. I remember we went to Texas A&M and um, <clears throat> there's, there's some rowdy crowds there in college that I'm sure they could have come up with a lot more creative things with the name strip than uh, chicken strip. So who came up with that name and is it your preference and uh, what were some of the alternatives? Yeah, the alternatives were all uh, denied by MLB, even as simple, <laughs> even as, simple as strip. So I was doing uh, sh- like strip, stripper, strip club, strip club and dollar bills. Like Landing all the strip. We, yeah, we submitted all those. They all got denied. So I was like, all right, what can we do? Because even strip getting denied, I, I remember thinking like, that's what 99%. Like, that's what my brother calls me. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, chicken strip no one really ever called me that but it, it was at least kind of funny we went with it and man that stuck like wildfire i mean yeah it's, it's one of my me. favorites it's yeah great. you heard it here first folks there you yeah. go there's the background all right so <laughs> on that note we're gonna play a little game we i taylor make a game for everyone it's it's where we really get to know the real ross stripling um so the game is called chicken strip so it's going to be stuff that has to do with chickens or strip um so you're going to a place do you order chicken nuggets or chicken strips chicken strips Okay, of course. Yeah. White meat or dark meat? 
Oh, good question. Uh, white meat. That one I mean, I'm a white. Denied. I'm a white. That question has been denied by Major League Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a white meat guy too. Uh, best chicken sandwich. There's that whole debate. You know, Chick Fil A or Popeyes or or you can go off the board. Oh man, good question. Um, I, love chi- I love Chick Fil A. <laughs> yeah, Chick Fil A's money. Um, trying to think. There's man. There's a place. Um, there's a place in Manhattan Beach called Simsy's that's really, really good. It has a good chicken sandwich. A little plug for Simsy's. Hey, shout, yeah. out to, shout out to our friend, uh, Chef Richard Blaze. He's got a Crack Shack in San Diego. They got good chicken sandwiches. And if, right. we're if, I didn't mention that, if I didn't mention that, I'd be getting a text as soon as this is uploaded. <laughs> the best chicken sandwich in Orange County where I live, and Brett frequents this place when he's back in the hood, is at Kelly's. They have what's called the oh, Yorba Kelly. Linda chicken sandwich, and it is phenomenal. Anyway, All go right. ahead. All right. So you're going to cook a meal for your wife. What's your go-to chicken dish that you're going to cook? Oh, good question. Um, it'd be like a pasta. Like a, um, we do like a version of like a chicken pot pie, but it's a pasta. So like everything you can think of that goes in a chicken pot pie, but then you just use like whatever kind of pasta you want and it's money. She loves it. Yeah. It's a heavy right. dish, but she's into it. Nice. All right. Uh, <laughs> most, most, most famous chicken, foghorn leghorn, chicken little, or we'll call it the San Diego chicken, uh, world famous chicken, or you can go off the board. Um, well, since it's the only one I actually know, it's got to be Chicken Little because I don't even know uh, who the other are. Others you don't are. know. The, you don't know. You don't know. Like uh, San Diego chicken, the mascot. No, you don't. What? Wait a second. You're a baseball player. Yeah. Okay. You gotta look it up. It's like the most famous. Like. Oh yeah, it was like the baseball mascot. mascot for yeah, years. it was a San Diego for like mascot. Baseball. Yeah. He's the famous chicken. You got to look it up. He's the most famous, like, yeah, just I would say mascot in the world, ever, besides, like, the Philly fanatic. <laughs> okay. Right. There you go. What's All the right. dude? Uh, what? Oh, no, that's a roadrunner that the coyote chases in the car. Yeah, yeah, close, yeah, close. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're close. in the, we're in the, we're still in the bird <laughs> atmosphere. All the right. chicken, I think, I grew up in San Diego for a few years. I think the San Diego chicken was the closest thing to a drunk mascot you'd ever had. That thing was, like, hey. no rules, like, out of control. So. <laughs> hey, when I was in the modern I mean, the sort of has some famous uh, memes with the chicken. Yeah. All right, I'll check these out. Um, I had I, in the minor leagues, he would come through the minor leagues and perform in the minor leagues. So I got to actually hang out with the chicken <laughs> in the clubhouse with the, with the hat off or the head off. It was, it was one of those moments where you're like, dude, this is crazy. Luckily, All it right. wasn't one of your top 10 career moments. Bro. No, no, no. Definitely not. All right. So you have a power strip in your house and you get to plug in only three things in your whole house. What are you plugging in? Oh, good question. Uh, iPhone charger, no doubt comes to mind um two would be i guess two would be the tv and three would be the apple tv all right that sense? No, no our TVs... yeah oh, no, no. oh we're talking anything oh, oh my yeah, gosh. Anything. yeah you got oh, you gotta you gotta okay. you gotta function in a house yeah yeah, yeah. a whole house things. all right yeah let me totally redo that all right still iphone charger yeah no doubt fridge great call um all right let's go i'm I not like a coffee the... i'm not a coffee guy um i mean I guess like a like a washer, like to wash my clothes. Like a, <laughs> that's a that's a good idea. I wouldn't even went on that one that page. That's a great idea. I would I I I as I was thinking of this stuff um, the last couple of days, I was like, gosh, what would I do? And I'm like, oh, Apple TV. And I was like, same thing, fridge, phone. And then Apple TV, I'm like, but I can't plug my TV in to yeah. watch the Apple yeah. TV. I so I went to this. TV. It, yeah. It's amazing. Like I'll sit in bed at night and like these questions, I'm trying to think of what I would answer myself. And like, I lose sleep over like an AC unit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Um, you're going to make an order. You got filet mignon or New York strip steak. Filet mignon. Yep. Filet mignon. Okay. 
Um, if you were a male entertainer in a strip club, what would your stage name be? And it's supposed to be like yeah, it's, it's, where you grew up in your pet's name or something like that. <laughs> Is it pet name and then street that you grew up on? Yeah. So mine would be uh, Jackson Shadow. Kind of a good male entertainer name. Yeah. I like Josh. What about you? What's, your, what's yours? Uh, so street name and where I grew up. Uh, yeah. Verbena Brea? Brea. No, and what's your uh, dog's name or like animal's name when you were young? Uh, Chipper. So oh, that's a good one. Nugget, either one. So both are My, good. Mine would be Peanut Valencia. Wow. <laughs> so I don't. I don't know if Peanut is. What yeah, I don't know if you want Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> not. Not what you want. Okay. Most underrated store in a normal strip mall. Oh, store great that question. you would overlook that is just a mainstay. Oh man! When you're that's, on the that, bus getting into one. a town and you see a store and you go, "Oh, let's go over there tomorrow. Yeah. I need this or that." Gosh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. For whatever reason, what came to my mind was Radio Shack. I'm literally oh, right. Radio Shack. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably most guys would probably say like a GameStop, right? Yeah, like you can good. run in there yeah. and get some like kind of off the wall games for the trip. I'm not much of a gamer, but man. Good question. That was a hard hitter. I don't know. <laughs> We're getting to really know the real <laughs> Ross Stripling right now. I, 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 think, I think for me it would be like, just because, you know, I'm a dad. I got two kids. It would be like a yogurt place. Yeah. That's, nice. I mean, that's a go-to. You see a yogurt place and the kids, like, you can always go there. All right. Um, favorite hotel to stay out on the Vegas Strip? Uh, we, we do the Aria every year. Aria's Love good. the Aria. Yeah, right in the center. Uh, I love the north part, like the wind and the Venetian, but um, the Aria is great. The Aria is underrated. The Aria is underrated. I love that. Not as busy. That's what I like about it. There's not as many people there. Hey, let me ask a, let me interject a question on that same note. If MLB put a team in Vegas on the strip, is that something you'd enjoy? Oh yeah. Oh, it'd be dangerous. (laughs) I've always wondered how the guys that play AAA in Vegas survive the season. Oh, not not to mention the heat there. When I lived there, it was 110 every day. Yeah. Their, their record. I mean, I, I played a little bit of AAA towards the end of my, well, when I got sent down in Seattle too, um, the, the visitors that came in to play the Vegas teams, their home record was like astronomically better because yeah. every visiting team that came in there hung every over. player got in and went out all night so they're yeah. always tired and hung over so when they came to play you know the hometown area 51s they got smoked yeah and they they'd be in our division for sure <laughs> no doubt okay. they'd be in the nl west so all right we'd last, be going last question you're the commissioner of major league baseball do you strip the astros of their 2017 world series Man, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm going to plead, you the, can, I'll plead you, the fifth. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> you, can plead, you, you can, can plead the fifth if you it. want. <laughs> All right. Uh, our, our guest was Ross Stripling. Uh, you can follow uh, his podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Big Swing Podcast. You can follow Ross at um, Ross underscore Stripling on Instagram. And Twitter is at Ross Stripling. Um, we appreciate you coming on, buddy. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, if you want to send me your Rolodex for some players, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm going to message you and be like, hey, kick, kick us uh, JT or something. But we really appreciate you coming on and having fun with us. For yeah. sure, guys. This Been is a lot fun. fun. Us. Hey, good it, luck, guys. man. Good luck out there. Yeah, yeah thanks, guys. you guys appreciate in the World it. Series right. again this year, man. Let's make it a make it a every year thing, bud. Yeah, it's only two months away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, bud. Go get them tonight. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.